new house when we first woke up to it. Open up the blinds in the morning and looked out at the view. We thought, unbelievable. This is amazing. We will never tire of this view. This is extraordinary. Thank you, Lord. Oh, this is wonderful. This week I walked into the office and Mary Morgan happened to be there and and she asked how settling into the house um, was was going. And I sort of had to rush rush into my office to, to attend to a couple of things. But I sort of stopped and I thought, how's the settling into the house going? And she said, oh, it must be just lovely, the, you know, the views from, you know, from your house. And, and I must confess, I stopped and I thought, oh, I actually don't know that I paused this morning to enjoy it. How could I forget it so quickly? When we first moved in, it had only seems a few months ago, we drew the, drew the curtains back and we looked out there and we said, this is amazing. I will never forget this. And you know what? This week I realized I had. It was becoming, well, not necessarily mundane, but it was just becoming familiar. And you know that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt? I wonder if that can be true of many things in life, but even in our spiritual life. If I was to talk to you or to, to mention certain words in, in the Christian life, perhaps when we were younger, maybe they thrilled our hearts a little bit. But now it's kind of, oh, yeah, you know, salvation, heaven, sanctification, love, and fruits of the Spirit. and These are just all words. We, we hear them every day, don't we? Way, 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 way back when we first became a believer, we'd hear those words and, and something inside of us just leaped with joy and we thought, oh, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about that. Oh, how exciting. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to my father's house and there are many, many rooms there. I'm going to prepare one for you. Didn't you want to know what the wallpaper looked like? Didn't you want to know what is Jesus doing? Where is it? Is it 103, 403? Maybe I got a room. You know, where, where in his father's house is my room? What does it look like? Does it have a teddy bear on the bed? Are there teddy bears in heaven? All sorts of questions. Now we mention heaven and eternity and these sorts of things. And perhaps, I don't know, in you, it's so familiar, very, very little is stirred whatsoever. How do you rediscover that? What about the word gospel? We all know it means good news. But is it one of those words that is just tired out? Just too familiar? Gospel. Or does it mean something grand to you? Something precious? Something that changes everything? Something like a hinge. It's pivotal. And on that word gospel is an eternal hope that thrills your heart every morning. I wonder. Sometimes I, I think in the Christian life, certain words, our familiarity with them, can sometimes breed, if not contempt, disappointment. For some people, when we say gospel or gospel power, when we talk about the good news, they immediately think about perhaps the Lord's Supper and communion and a time of contemplation and, and quietness, confessing sin and, and so forth. 
but it's not necessarily a word that brings great joy and anticipation. And there can be disappointment, let's be frank, in the Christian life for a whole variety of reasons. Sometimes our timing is not God's timing. Maybe it's healing, maybe it's sanctification, maybe it's intercession for other people. But sometimes the power of the gospel looks a whole lot different in our day-to-day lives than what we might have thought. And so gospel becomes just another word. Good news, good news. But if we're ever asked to share that good news, so what is so good about this news? Well, on a given day, we could be a little bit pressed to make it sound good. Maybe it sounds a little bit like average news. News that we're just very, very familiar with. Yeah, it's news. That's news I heard a long time ago. But is it good news today? Is today a good news day? We want to have a little bit of a little bit of a look at look at that. We want to have a little bit of a look at what does gospel mean? Sometimes we can we can fall into the trap of thinking, gospel, salvation. I'm saved. What else is there? But what's next? What 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 were you expecting? I'm over the line. Good. Was I to anticipate something else? Um, Paul, in Philippians chapter 3.10, says, I believe, speaking of gospel power, I want to know Christ. Here is, here is Paul, the great apostle, writing to the Philippian church and yet still expressing this yearning within him. He has not got tired of it yet. He's not over it. He's still passionate about it. I want to know Christ. Then he goes on and he says, and the power of his resurrection. Now, why that? Why the power of his resurrection? Why Why is that so important? Perhaps because of his, his prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. Because in the power of the resurrection is the clue to why the gospel should still thrill our hearts today. Listen to his prayer for the, for the church there in Ephesus and surrounding churches. Perhaps this was a circular letter. Listen to his prayer and listen to his desire for all Christians And God's desire, I believe, for all Christians for all time regarding the gospel. So um, I keep asking, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, we need this continuously so the gospel doesn't get old. We need God's spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Then he says, verse 18, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, you have eyes in your heart, there is a place of discernment there. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There is a marvelous, glorious inheritance here that he wants all of us to know. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. There is gospel power available to each and every one of us. The gospel is not a, you know, a a deal that was, you know, done, sealed, 
all done, wrapped up as a part of your salvation long ago. This gospel power has effect for you and I every day. And that power, Paul goes on to say, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So when Paul says in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, I believe he is saying exactly that. I want to know within me, with everything that I have, every, every cell of discernment within my spiritual body, I want to understand afresh and again and more powerfully this same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead because if that's at work in me, then everything is different. The whole world is different. My life is different. Today is different. That's gospel power. And that's available to you and to I every single day. And it kind of should just thrill our hearts a little bit. And I don't say in that, oh, if it doesn't feel guilty, I just want to inspire you once more to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is good news. It really is. This changes everything, folks. No matter how you wake up and how your day looks, gloom, doom, whatever, or mundane, it doesn't really matter. But this gospel power, it changes everything. It's the ultimate game changer. Now, I don't think Paul ever got over it. By the power of God within him, I believe that his heart was continually thrilled with the gospel. And my prayer for us this year, 2018, as we explore the book of Mark and this, this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, is that once more we would be thrilled in our inner being with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would come to understand once more the enormity of it, the power that is available to us through his gospel. That if we have ever been disappointed, if we have ever become despondent, if we have ever just come to even perhaps doubt the power of that gospel, that this would be the year in which we discover it again. It truly does change, change everything. It's like, it's like the dawn of a new day. Everything, you know, that sense of anticipation, just as the sun is rising, everything is about to change. The darkness has been dispelled. And not only that, but real change, real change is possible. I don't know about you, but there is, there is something now about aging. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that now because I'm, you know, the other side of 50. But there is something about aging that is changing the way I view the gospel. Do you agree, Liz? Absolutely. <laughs> One day, Liz, you'll be as old as I am, and you'll come to understand <laughs> just how thrilling this is. But I feel myself, I don't know about you, but I just feel myself becoming less apologetic about it. I think in my younger years, you know, sometimes I would have certain conversations and they'd leave me a little bit, I don't know where to go with this. I had somebody the other day who's uh, working on the air conditioning in, in um, our house. And, and uh, anyway, he's ringing me to make an appointment. And he knows I'm a pastor. And he said, oh, I hope you don't mind me ringing you on a Sunday night. 
And I said, no, 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 that's fine. Sorry, I couldn't get back to you. I've just got back from church. And he said, he said, oh, saving all those people from hell, are you? You know, <laughs> and <laughs> that was, I was a little bit younger. I think that would have kind of put a hole. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know? But I don't know. There comes a little bit of a boldness with age, doesn't there? And I said, oh, John, I can't do that. I just tell people that God can. And, you know, he laughed, he chuckled at that. I'm not sure that he, he expected that. And then, then I think there was this nervousness of, what else is he going to say? You know? <laughs> but I think for me more and more, this is my eternal hope. I see fewer and fewer answers to the problems of our world around me. And I get more and more excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe more and more, here is the only possible solution for mankind. I truly believe this. And I get more and more excited about my job and my role in life and that to which God has called me. But, but not just my role, but our role as well. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark starts out by saying, and it kind of sounds a little bit like Genesis, doesn't it? The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, lest there be any doubt. The beginning of the gospel. And here is a gospel that is all about new beginnings. That's what the good news is. The good news is this. That it doesn't matter how wrong things have got. It doesn't matter how twisted and tangled and, and, and I, I guess, uh, enslaving life has become. This gospel promises a new beginning. For you, for everyone. This is the beginning of the gospel, and the gospel is all about new beginnings. And this has been promised. This is not new. In verse 2, as it is written. Here is a promise from, from long, long ago. And, and then Mark, um, quoting both Malachi and Isaiah, although he says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. Now, that's actually from Malachi 3.1. I'll, I'll mention it in a minute. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, why does he um, attribute to Isaiah that first part, portion, which is from Malachi? Um, I believe that it's, it's quite simple. Uh, we, we can get in our Western thinking very, um, very hung up on who the, who the human authors were. Um, but in the mind, Old Testament hermeneutics is a, is a wonderful topic, and perhaps Tom will share that with you, uh, all about that while I'm on leave. There's, there's, there's something. <laughs> but um, um, here Mark is essentially believing that at the end of the day, God is the author of Scripture. He inspires it all. And so here is Malachi talking about the messenger from God, but this is also referred to in Isaiah, and it's not, it's not a stretch to think that, that isn't Malachi talking about the same messenger that Isaiah is talking about? So, so it's probably not improper for him, this is one way to understand it, to, 
to just understand that, that really, really the prophet Isaiah has, has already promised this, this wonderful, wonderful message, this messenger that will come ahead of you. What's interesting here, though, I, I just want you to know, is that you could pass over it really, really quickly, is the pronouns. Um, I, that's Father God speaking, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Now, in Malachi, it is, I will send my messenger ahead of me. Here is God in Malachi saying, I will send a messenger ahead of myself. Now he is saying of the Son of God, and here's the inclusiveness of the Trinity, I will send my messenger ahead of you. And there's no contradiction there whatsoever. Because Jesus as my son is indeed God. And so here is this wonderful promise. It's almost as it were spoken to Jesus, his son. I will send my messenger ahead of you, son. He will prepare your way. And here it is, this beautiful, tender message. The fulfillment, a promise from long ago fulfilling this prophecy. This messenger is going to be the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared. And John the Baptist, his whole role is to come ahead as the messenger and to point the way to Jesus. Indeed, that's exactly what, what Mark does. He's very succinct, Mark, and he just quickly, he takes us to John the Baptist and takes us away from him. He mentions the ministry of John the Baptist and he says, he came preaching a baptism of repentance. This is, this is how this promised, this promise will come to us. He brings to us a, a preaching, a baptism of repentance. Now that is, is to, deal with, to deal with sin. That is going to deal with our sins. Here we are um, preaching, sorry, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But then he goes on, he talks a little bit about John. He goes on and he says, but John in his message is actually pointing to Jesus. Uh, down there in verse 7, after me, he says, comes the one that is more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John comes preaching this message, and there is, a, there is an urgency to it. But the message, though, is... Here is a baptism of water that will deal with your sin. And water is a great, a great symbol, is it not, of cleansing, of being cleansed. You can take a bath. You can, you can use the water to cleanse the outer body. Here is a baptism that John is, John is now presenting. And, and this, like water cleanses the outer body, this baptism will cleanse the spirit. It will, it will be a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This will deal with your sin. That's, that's wonderful. But then he points towards something more and answers a question I think all of us should ask. Great. We've dealt with the sin. But what about the sinner? Great. You've dealt with my salvation, that thing that stands in the way of relationship with God. But what about the problem of me? Here's the sin, cleansed and atoned for. What about the sinner? 
how can I be made new? John points to Jesus and says, I offer you a baptism of water. He will give you a baptism of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, both in the Greek and the Hebrew, the word for spirit and breath are the same. So here, with these sort of little echoes of, of Genesis and this promise of a baptism of the Spirit, here is a new beginning, just like Genesis is a whole new beginning, the beginning. Here is a new beginning. Here comes the Messiah. And there's good news. He comes so that everybody might have, spiritually speaking, a new beginning. They will be able to partake in a baptism, a different baptism, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Again, just a special, special record of the way in which the breath of God, the Spirit of God, brings life into our being. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. What do we have? We have a dusty man. But here's the difference. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So beautiful, so intimate. Can you imagine this scene? Here is dusty man. God himself into his nostrils. And we had a little bit of a feel for this because we often talk about CPR, don't we? And we know, you know, ABC. Peter, what's the A for? Airway. You know, get those nostrils open. And then, <gasps> you know, <laughs> we, and we all know how to do that. Well, pump, pump. And here is this intimate moment in which God has created a dusty old man and he leans down and now he breathes his spirit into mankind and the man becomes a living being. That's his gospel. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit means for you and for me. It's a gospel that will breathe new life into each of us. The breath of God, the Spirit of God, now bringing us alive. Not only does God deal with the sin, but he deals with the sinner. These are where verses which I've shared with you that are so precious to me come alive. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I am a new creation. Old is God and the new has come. Paul's words, Paul's understanding once more of that resurrection power, of gospel power in his life. I'm a new guy. I'm a new guy. I'm no longer that old guy. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives. Beautiful words. No longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Gospel power 
new life, the promise of a whole new beginning, a whole new start. Everything's different. Everything's changed. God has breathed his spirit into you and I. We have been born again. Gospel, power, everything is different. Are you a little bit excited about that? Is your heart just a little bit thrilled by the promise of that? It's for today and it's for tomorrow and it's for the next day. Everything is different. Absolutely everything has changed because of this gospel power. He will bring a baptism of the Holy Spirit. He will immerse you in himself a whole new beginning, a whole new start, a whole new day, every day. He has breathed his life into you. And I, he deals with the sinner. Every day is a good news day, holding the potential for a whole new beginning. What a gift. What a gift this is. And you know how it's good? Years ago, I had been watching television after school. And coincidentally, during that time when school children are watching television, a commercial for a toy came on. And they were releasing not just Big Jim and Big Jim's, Big Jim's alligator hunting set. That was good, but this was better. Big Jim's camper. Big Jim's camper. Now, finally, with my long service leave, I actually get to do this in real life, but... But as a child, I had to, had to just put up with Big Jim. I had Big Jim, but I did not have the camper. Man. And coincidentally, again, it was around Christmas time. Man, that would make a great Christmas present. So when the commercial came on again for it, you know, in the next minute, I called mum in and I said, Mum, 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 I'm coming. This is the one I was talking about. This is the one I was talking about. Look, look. Big Jim's camper, look, it folds down and it's got this and it's got, look at Big Jim, he's sitting at a picnic table. This is so cool. Anyway, I think I communicated effectively to mum and dad how delighted I would be if this Christmas, surprise, surprise, Santa, who I knew might not, ex kids in here? No, 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 didn't exist. Okay, perhaps, Stuart, I'll leave you to work that out. You're an astrophysicist, how are you going to explain that? But, but anyway, Santa, Santa was going to leave me something, and um, maybe, or mum and dad were. Anyway, under the Christmas tree would be this camper. I believed. Well, I hoped. I dearly hoped. It was wrapped up. One never knew. It was a big box, but sometimes big boxes can be big disappointments. You know that. I know that. But as Christmas came, and I, I looked and studied, as one does from a, from a distance, the various presents, and, you know, happened to look at the names and the presents and that sort of thing. I did feel convinced of this, that whatever in that was in that box, it was going to be awesome. Why? Because I didn't technically know that it was a Big Jim camper. I didn't technically know what was, what was underneath the wrapping, but I knew this. My dad, my mom, loved to delight my heart. I knew who they were, and I knew the gift would be good. The gospel is like that. Gospel power is like that. You might not know everything about the way that God is going to work in your life. You might not understand everything, technically, the timing, how it's all going to work out. 
just how it is that he is going to bring his gospel power to bear upon your life. But you know what you can trust? Your heavenly father loves to delight your heart. You can base it on his character. He will not disappoint you. He will not disappoint. This gospel is good news and you can believe. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your promises that have not changed throughout the ages. You made all things new in the beginning and you continue to make all things new. In you there is gospel power. And I've got a feeling that this morning, Lord, there are a few of us here who need to hear that message. We just need your reassurance. We need to know that you mean this and you mean it for us. We just need to know once more, Lord Jesus, that when you speak of your good news, you have us in mind. And if you're sitting there wondering whether you might have been overlooked whether all of those good gifts under the tree may have been for somebody else. Whether this gospel works in certain circumstances, but in you're special. For there's something different about you and you're not quite sure that it works the same way for you. This morning I want to say to you, he sees you. He hears you. And this good news is especially for you. Won't you reach out this morning and won't you take it? Won't you receive afresh this powerful gospel that comes from a loving Father who longs to delight your heart? Won't you reach out again this morning and take it and receive it for yourself? And invite once more his gospel power to change your life. Jesus, help us, we pray. Make that long reach a small one. Minister to our hearts, we pray. In the blessed and wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord.